with rising billions, disrupting tradition, always be closing, gaining exponential wisdom from street smart strategies. I dream the kind of dreams that other people said would not be possible. Free your mind. Nothing happens till something moves. I'm a big fan of going all in on your strengths. Create your blue ocean. Innovation and collaboration with competition. Do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? Creating uncontested market space. I worry that people don't tap into their strengths. Wealth creation and a new economy entrepreneur. There is a very thin dividing line between success and failure. Witnessing unprecedented technology. You can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. Welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold Show with Christopher Gumby and Alan Witch. Hi, it's Christopher Cumby with Think Bold, Be Bold. I'm here with my awesome co-host, Alan Witch. Alan, you in the house? I'm in the house and right back at you, Mr. Awesome Co-host. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. You know, it's... Uh, uh, it's always nice in Florida this time of year, but it's stinking hot. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is hot. You came off a, a really cool event uh, this last Friday. I did. I it was my um, it was my book launch, and we you know had a beach party, which was uh, amazing. Good friends uh, rallied. Um, we had some barbecue from Murphy's Barefoot Barbecue, which is probably the best down here uh, that I've tasted anyway. Uh, not because he's my friend. It's actually really tasty food. And, uh, you know, he did it up, and, and it was just awesome with, with all my friends and family and and, um, and some other colleagues and so forth there. And, uh, of course, my good friend John Welburn at LiveWell 30A, he, uh, he, man, he knows how to, you know, get the bonfire and the setup done. And it, it was just, I'll tell you, I had tons of fun. Um, big headache the next morning as well. <laughs> sometimes it's, uh, sometimes the pain's worth it though. Can't be doing this at 46 years old. <laughs> white bread, white bread. You got to have some white bread with you. White bread. Yeah. When you get home, yam yeah, down the That's white bread. That's right. Uh, <laughs> probably smart, probably works. However, uh, it is a once in a blue moon when that happens to me, but, uh, you know, certainly had tons of fun, Alan, and, um, you know, the book went well, the launch is happening, it's out there, and uh, now I just, you know, got to keep doing what I love doing, and that's helping people, so. There you go. Uh, how about awesome. yourself, Alan? Oh, I had a great weekend. Uh, we uh, we picked up a, a group of kids that uh, my wife works for a, uh, works for Young Life, and for a a young man with special needs, and they had a, a week-long camp this week. And of course, I helped take him down there. Then um, I don't stay as a counselor. I, I'll probably do that next year. But uh, went down and picked him up, and uh, we had a big van and a couple of cars with special needs kids. Great, wonderful kids. Uh, long ride out of the uh, the backwoods in Oregon back into town, and we uh, blew a tire on the U-Haul. And so wow. we had uh, our caravan stranded in the middle of nowhere for a couple hours. But U-Haul came through. The kids were happy. And uh, we got home about four hours later than anticipated. But it was a great time. So I got no complaints. Well, there you go. You did a good deed. And like I always say, do something nice for someone, right? There you go. Sounds like you did a good job of doing that. Yeah, anyway, we have, we have an awesome show, something you know that 
absolutely interesting to me. And I know probably for a lot of people out there um, that wonder about this industry and, you know, certainly today we have someone who's uh, well versed in it uh, in, and in fact, uh, you always do the uh, you always do the unique pleasure of uh, inter introducing our our awesome guests and certainly uh, this guy is a, an awesome guy. I can't wait to dive in. So why don't we just do that, Alan, and get this show on the road? Absolutely, great job, Chris. You know we all talk about social media and what that really means and how does that apply in business. And Chris and I found that uh, we get a lot of our a lot of our contacts and. And, uh, you know, first round introductions and so forth off of social media, uh, you know, whether it be Twitter or Facebook. And, and those are the, the, the two most popular ones that we frequent. But uh, today's guest is by no exception. Uh, that's how we found each other. And uh, I got to tell you a little bit, little bit about this guy. Uh, quite the uh, plethora of background and uh, quite honored to have him on the show. Uh, he's a winning keynote speaker. He's presented... Uh, to over 150,000 attendees, and he shared the bill with, get this, Deepak Chopra, Stephen Covey, and General uh, Rick Hillier. <laughs> He's also the host of a top-rated Conversations with Passion radio show, which features, uh, you know, candidates and, and guests like uh, Jack Canfield, John Gray, uh, Rick Hansen, and Olympic gold medalist Silken Lumen. Uh, he's also on uh, Turbo Jam creator Charlene Johnson, and, and he's had hundreds of more people, you know, on his show. Um, he's also, if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough, he's also an international best-selling author, and uh, he's appeared on just a plethora of uh, television specials on Eastlink and uh, TeleTV, and of course, he's been seen on CBS, CTV, and Global. And he's also presented on TEDx. And uh, I want to hear more about his presentation on TEDx, but also on Mo Monday's talks. He's the founder of a business publication, a nine-time acclaimed, get this, a nine-time acclaimed international best-selling author and the CEO of a, a seminar company and media company who's interviewed over, and this, this, this takes works, folks, uh, 3,400 super achievers. He's also... And get this, a stand-up comedian and a rock recording nominee of the year. So without uh, without further ado, help me welcome Corey uh, Perrier to the show. Corey, welcome. Wow, thank you so much. That's uh, such a humbling introduction, Alan. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm so super stoked to be here. Well, <laughs> we're glad to have you. Tremendously Absolutely. glad to have you. Well, Corey's in the house, folks, and, you know, as I always say, get your journals out because this is where the wisdom gets poured out, and, and certainly he's got the wisdom. Um, you know, Corey, uh, and by the way, the Golden Nuggets, I'll, I'll just, you know, drop out of this conversation today. But, Corey, you know, listen, um, you know, listening to that bio, I'm you know, I, I'm sure you look back now and you're like, wow, I did all that. <laughs> Yeah, to be to be quite honest, I uh, I have to say that you know I I've, I've had the bio read uh, you know different people in different ways throughout the years before you go on stage and stuff like that and and sometimes I'm I'm sitting there going who's that guy they're talking about is that who they're talking about so yeah it, it is sometimes kind of uh, it is some kind of I'm going to say almost surreal because yeah. the numbers seem you know by now I think back and I I can think about the hours put in but. It still sure. kind of seems surreal that, you know, there's been that many hours put into that sort of bio, if you will. Uh, but, yeah, so it's not, there's a lot of days I, I question if that's really me. 
<laughs> well, you know, it, 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 well, you showed up, my friend, and uh, I think, you know, you're giving life your best shot, and you're certainly living it uh, the way you want to, and it sounds like you're certainly having some fun doing that, and you're helping a lot of people, and, and, and that's a good thing. So, you know, listen, I have a unique interest in this, you know, obviously writing a book myself and just launching, and, you know, by the way, congrats on all your accolades and, and things that you've done, um, and, you know, at the beginning, uh, a lot of things are mystifying, right? And you may not have uh, a lot of understanding until, you know, we have a chance to interview a guy like you and we get an opportunity to, you know, help demystify some of the things or at least answer some questions that people may have. And, you know, I have one uh, particularly that, you know, I want to start off the show with and, and, and we are going to circle back because I want to know how you got started. But this one in particular, I thought... You know, we're going to change it up a little bit today because I normally get started on asking you where you come from and, and, and things like that. Um, but I want to ask this question because I think, well, selfishly, <laughs> it, it's, it's more or less where I want to start the show. So how do you get into the speaking industry? Like what, like what is that secret sauce? What happens? And it probably is going to tell us a little bit about, you know, how you started either way. But tell us about that. It's, you know, I have to say, so, and it's a big answer, of course, as you can imagine, because it is a big question as well, uh, Chris, but, so I guess if I, if I, I have to start at one point, so whenever, you know, we talk about bios and we talk about uh, accolades and things like that, the important thing for me to share with people always is that it didn't start that way, because I talk to a lot of people that think on the speaking side that you're either born comfortable on a stage or you're not. And, and even going back to the book thing, you know, writing a book, I mean, if I go backwards in a lot of years, I have to say that, and, and I know we can talk about this later on in my journey, but um, I didn't read my first full book until I was 27 years of age. Right. So, you know, putting out a book, my first book I put out, I think it was 29. So it's, you know, it, <laughs> very foreign. And, and, yeah. And, and so it doesn't have to be something that you're good at. In fact, I, I didn't do, I'm just going to say it this way, I didn't do, I didn't do very well uh, in my English and grammar classes. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, I, I, I will add this. I didn't know the difference between fiction and nonfiction by the time I left high school. So that tells you my level. Uh, so it's just important for people to know it doesn't matter where you start, it matters where you end. So getting back to the speaking, the first part of that in terms of how do you get into it, it's important for people to know it doesn't matter where you're at today, it is possible to get into it. So uh, for me, for instance, I was probably, I'm going to say about 18 before I ever spoke in front of any audience whatsoever. And that audience was an audience of, I think, 12 people in an entrepreneurial program I was in. And I delayed as much as I could. I actually called in sick. And I was, like I say, almost 20. (laughs) I called in sick to the class (laughs) twice to try to get out of it. Uh, So that was kind of my level. The first talk I ever gave was for an entrepreneurial group. It was basically right after that program. They wanted somebody to come in and talk about the difficulties young entrepreneurs face. And because I had had a newspaper uh, early in life and I got a little bit of radio coverage, they wanted somebody to come in and, and basically talk about that, somebody who's doing it at a young age. And I came in and I can tell you to this day, I still don't know what I said. I'm kind of scared about that, but I don't know what I said because I didn't prepare anything and I don't remember a word of it. I just basically <laughs> gave the talk blind. And, and at the end, people came up and said, you know, and what you could tell they were being generous when they said great insight, but your passion level, wow. And so, you know, what, what I took from it was that my passion level was so strong that they were intrigued by my talk, even if they didn't learn anything from it. So, um, but that's how I kind of started. And then if I jump ahead quite a few years, 
I, uh, how I really get started my speaking career, and then I will dive into the actual question, Chris. But how sure, no, it, this is great. This is awesome. But I think it's important to know a person's backstory and know that it's not just, they didn't just get somebody saying, hey, you want to do a talk for such and such a group, and then they, they launched a career. Right. Um, so, yeah, then I, so after that, there was a few times where I spoke in public. I went to a Toastmasters uh, group. I spoke one more time. And then I basically disappeared from that world for another probably six years until I was invited to perform at a stand-up comedy. Uh, well, I was invited to um, go to a stand-up comedy workshop. I spent two weeks in the workshop. All I really learned is here's how you adjust a mic stand. Uh, the <laughs> third week, though, we went to a comedy club, and the idea was we were going to watch comics entertain us and then study the craft. We found out five minutes of showtime. We were the comics. <laughs> you can imagine we had, well, zero nice. material. I mean, yeah, it was pretty intense and no material <laughs> at all. Uh, there were eight, uh, 15 of us that came uh, from the workshop that came to that uh, comedy club. And whenever that was announced that we would be performing, I went to the bathroom. I say now is to look for the exit window, but I think it was <laughs> going to freak out. Uh, but there was no exit window. So I came back out and then out of the 15, eight were gone. I've never seen them again to this, in, to this day in my life. <laughs> the weirder part is that of the seven that stayed, six of them performed stand-up comedy full-time, and like to this day, and I ended up performing 700 shows over nine years, and even though I'm not still going at comedy at all, um, you know, it's still obviously I'm, I'm earning a living from what I was doing on a comedy stage. I'm just doing it in a corporate environment and obviously uh, corporate-friendly humor. Uh, so anyway, saying all that, what happened was I jumped on that stage, uh, I told my first joke to dead silence. Uh, it was horrible. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, I realized I'm already up there. I might as well dive in. I dived in further. Now, not only was it dead silence, I jokingly say, I think I saw a tumbleweed go by. Uh, <laughs> if there were crickets in the club, everybody except for me heard them. Uh, the only reason I didn't hear them is because my head was working itself into overdrive. And then the sweat was dripping down my face. And finally, the guy who got us into this whole mess, the workshop leader, called me over to the corner of the stage and smucked me in the back of the head and said, you idiot, we haven't even turned the mic on yet. <laughs> so that, I've said many times, was the start of my speaking career. Wow. So when people say, how do you get into speaking? I don't recommend go to a comedy club. <laughs> I would probably say an easier way would be to go to a Toastmasters or a Rotary International type group club and, and ease your way in rather than jumping onto a comedy club stage. Uh, but, you know, Chris, I'll, I, if you want, I can talk further into how does a person launch a career, but that's how I guess I can say that I started my career. That brings us up to the first day of my speaking career, in my opinion. And then it also, you know, I guess shares how, you know, I recommend a person not start that way, but, you know, there's definitely easier way into it, like going to a, a group who fosters public speaking, but isn't going to force you to jump up the first second you arrive. I love that, and you know, it sounds like you um, were thrown in with the sharks, and you and 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 you just had to swim. And it sounds like the rest of them, well, the ones that left, you know, you never heard again. But it sounds like the rest of people swam as well. I do want you to dive in because I think, again, um, diving into you know the speaking industry, just give us some insight on that because I I, I definitely uh, I love your entry because you just started and you went somewhere and you and you gave some good ideas and I've done Toastmasters as well and I've done some really uh, you know smaller events and and some larger ones when I was with Corporate World, 
However, um, I, I'd like to understand a little bit uh, more about, um, you know, that speaking and, and, and what traditionally happens out there, or better yet, some of the stories you've heard uh, or you want to share with uh, uh, on getting, you know, the career moving, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do that. So, you know, if I look at, I mean, there's two things. I'll share one thing right off the, I'll call it off the jump. So right away, sure. uh, this is an important component. And then I'm going to, I'm going to talk right away where I would recommend somebody if they were, whether they've done 10 talks or 15 or they're doing their first talk, where I recommend they start. But before I go there, you know, I just want to, you know, also add in, I mean, in terms of, I guess we'll say, I'm going to say launching your speaking career. One of the things that still shocks people, I think, to this day is there's, and I love this quote, I heard this by, I think it was Alan Weiss, who has a book called How to Make a Million as a Professional Speaker. And those are obviously good places to start, grab books that are written on the industry. There's not a lot of great books in the industry, so uh, you know I'm happy to, to list some. But yeah, I mean, that's a great starting point. But what I will say is he has this great quote that says, there's no good reason to do a talk for free, but there's a lot of good reasons to do a talk for no fee. So what I would start by saying is from my very first professional talk, so the first time I was booked from a talk that I approached somebody to allow me to give, I started getting paid. Now, in fairness, the very first talk I did was for a, a local gym. I mean, it was a large gym. They had 21 locations, but it was a local gym. And I did a talk at their AGM. And the deal was that they would give me, they had these 90-day gym memberships they would give to people certain, during certain times of year if you bought a, a year-long membership. Well, they gave me two of these 90-day uh, memberships that you didn't have to buy the year or the rest of the year that I could give out to other clients who hired me as a speaker. That was my fee. But nonetheless, even if that was just a trade, almost like somebody giving you a gift certificate, it was still getting paid. So mm -hmm. one important note is that, you know, when somebody thinks, why should I listen to this guy? Um, you know, I, I already told you that I, I failed right from the jump. You know, I, I didn't even have the mic turned on. So I'm not going to try to say I was great from the start. I'm not going to say, say I knocked it out of the park every time. But what I did do that I, I don't think happens that often is I started charging a fee right away, and that's 15 years ago, and I never looked back. So I wanted to just preface it by saying that. Sometimes those fees weren't that great. Sometimes they were small. And then here's where I can start off how I would recommend somebody get started. We go to the why do a talk for no fee. So why you would do a talk for no fee is because when you first start, the first things people are going to start asking you for, you know, you mentioned that yourself and Alan will, uh, you know, you're looking at this unique uh, approach that you have that you want to take out. And I, I think that um, there's, you know, you have to look at what is going to be asked by people that are thinking of hiring you. And the biggest thing you're going to be asked right up, off the bat is, I want to see your speaking video. That's the first one. The follow-up to that is going to be, I want to see some testimonials. And to kind of put a stamp on that, a speaking bureau, typically speaking, won't even take you on. Uh, even unless you're at a, let's start at a fee, let's say $2,000 fee, depending on the bureau. So charging $2,000 every talk. And at the same time, they're going to want to see that you have at least 12 testimonials from clients who paid $2,000 per talk. So that's kind of a parameter to tell you that in terms of when you start, it's like that catch 22. You don't have the testimonials that you need, but you need the testimonials to get the other ones and the other bookings. So mm -hmm. you're going to start out with people are going to say, we want to see video and we want to see testimonials. So the question is, what's your easiest and fast track way to do that? And that's what I want to share with you right now. So what do I think the easiest way to do that is? Well, I mentioned and kind of alluded to it, but let's say a rotary talk, a chamber, a board of trade. Most of these organizations, I would say almost in all cases, I, I shouldn't say with a chamber, but with rotary and, and um, Toastmasters, who I mentioned, Kinsman, you're going to be doing the talk for free. 
But just because you're not getting a fee doesn't mean you can't leverage that talk to help launch your career. So again, the biggest challenge is how do you get multiple testimonials? Well, great news. Let's take Rotary as an example. Well, you go to a Rotary meeting, and by the way, you can insert whatever industry conference you want here, but an industry conference where a lot of people come together representing different companies. So let's say Rotary. You're in the room, you do your talk, you knock it out of the park, hopefully, you have an evaluation form that you hand out. So first of all, it took me about eight years to craft my evaluation form, but that evaluation form, one of the things, if you have an evaluation form, which I, I say you have to have one, but if you have one, one question you want to have on there is, what did you think of this talk? Not rate me one of the 10, but what did you think of this talk? An open-ended question. And then they're going to give you some kind of response. And let's say they say, this was the best talk ever, or this talk was amazing, or you were great, or whatever that is. Your next question on the survey or evaluation form is going to be, can we use your name and company in conjunction with our, our marketing services? You know, in other words, can we share that testimonial you gave and use your name and company? So let's say, as an example, you had 80 people from the Rotary uh, represented in the uh, talk that you've given to a Rotary. And let's say 60 of them fill out your evaluation forms. And I can even talk about how to get those back rather than hoping they come back. Uh, but anyway, let's say 60 fill them out. And of those 60, let's say four to give you a great glowing testimonial. And 35 say that you can use their name and company in conjunction with your services. Well, here's some great news. Now you all of a sudden, from your one no-fee talk, have 35 companies that are providing a testimonial for you, for your website, and for people that are thinking of hiring you. So there's the one. Second, oh, sorry, you guys can, uh, sorry, you can interject if you want. Uh, Yeah, no, I just said brilliant, and I think Alan said nice. (laughs) So the only other thing I'll add to that, and I mean, evaluation form, I usually have about six questions on it. Um, but that's just one of them, and there's a way. Another one that you should have is, do you know of somebody else that could uh, benefit from a similar presentation? And now all of a sudden, you're. And, and by the way, can we contact you? That's the follow-up in that same question. So now all of a sudden, you have somebody that's that's seen you talk. They're in the moment. You're t- getting them uh, to think about what's the action they could take. And that action is, is there a lead that you can offer up? So now all of a sudden, you're generating leads from that one first talk. But then the other thing you can do is arrange to have somebody film it while you're doing the talk anyway, and now you have video from your talk. So now all of a sudden you've booked one rotary talk, it's your first talk you've ever given, as long as you knock it out of the park, that's the key thing, or at least if you deliver at a level where they're happy with it, and you get enough that you can use on video, you're, you're wanting to make probably a three minute video, so as long as you have a good solid four or five minutes that you can pull from, as long as you have some testimonials that people are comfortable and happy with you and they said you can use it, and then as long as you have some people offering up leads, that's a whole lot of git, from one, let's say, 45-minute rotary talk or even a 15-minute breakfast rotary talk in the morning. So, you said, you know, you asked the question, how would you recommend somebody get started? That would be the starting point I would recommend to somebody if they want to shave off or skip what took me probably about three years in my career to get. To get 35 testimonials, to get video of me speaking, all that stuff took a long time. Gotcha. Well, you didn't know what you didn't know. And it sounds like, you know, based on the experience, um, you know, you can now share that with others to speed up the process. And I, I think that's a ton of value. Um, and obviously, uh, we'll talk about some of the things you've got coming up. But uh, Alan, take us away. Yeah, I love the fact that uh, the that, that speaking is, uh, you know, a really great way, probably the best way for people not only to get your, 
your curriculum and and get your your mission and the things that are important to you and hear your story and journey but they also hear the inflection in your voice they also hear the passion that you talk about uh, a lot and having to have that passion uh, they get to see that or, or at least hear that firsthand and hopefully see that in your face and that's a whole lot different than reading as much script or reading as much printed document a, a, as could possibly be written and I think that's a really key thing for people to understand is the power of of having you know uh, a collection of of you on tape that helps build your public artifacts and uh, I think I think that's key but along with that say there's somebody out there and I know there's a lot of people listening maybe that hadn't thought of speaking and they want to you know maybe remain behind the scenes and, and that's quite okay to to do but um, what would you say to somebody that uh, that that hasn't really thought of speaking or hasn't really maybe they don't think that they're good enough or they don't think that maybe they have enough to say and I think that might be the, the key thing what would you say to a person that uh, that you know they have to get on stage to promote their business and to grow to the level they want to but they're either afraid to or they don't understand that they already have some tools that people want to hear well you know, awesome and great question Alan and, and I have to add too that's a great point you just made uh, they may not realize that they have to or they may be you know, as you said, they may be invited to and they have to get on a stage and, and grow their business. I think it's important to add that even though I, I made the, the mention right away about getting paid a fee rate from the start, I don't even necessarily think that should be the goal for everybody. You know, some people just want to uh, get a message out about an important cause that's close to their heart. Some people want to grow their business and they don't want to be seen as a, a paid speaker. So everybody has different goals. So I also want to, you know, add in the fact that it doesn't have to be a paid speaking opportunity or a paid speaking, um, let's say, career that you build to want to leverage speaking. So you're right in the sense that there's so much more that speaking can do that no other field can really do that makes it worthwhile conquering any fears and jumping on that stage, even just getting media. I mean, I've gotten so much media as a result of being a speaker that I never would have got in any other way. So right. I just wanted to kind of put, a, I guess, a stamp on that as, as well. Uh, but what I would say to somebody who says, you know, I don't have a story to tell or I don't have a story that's worth sharing. I mean, I felt that same way. So I guess I can speak from experience with this. I, I would give a two-part answer. One, I kind of mentioned a couple times the idea of the Toastmasters or Rotary. Using Toastmasters or even Dale Carnegie uh, Associates as the example, let's say you go to a Toastmasters group. Well, after you've let's say watch people get up and speak and share their, their icebreaker speech and things like that a few times, you'll probably start to see nervous people get up and conquer their fear and it'll make you want to do the same. Well, when you get up and let's say just introduce yourself, that'll probably feel quite awkward if it's your first time speaking, but then you'll have a chance after you've, come, you know, you've gone through that and, and conquered that fear, then the next thing will be coming up with a, a one minute prepared speech or they have table topics where you have to think on the fly and answer something. So what will happen is by, by going through that practice, you'll start to, even if you're doing the two-minute or one-minute little prepared speech, you'll start to see, wow, I have a story. You know, you'll start writing your story and go, wow, there's more to my story than I thought. But what I would tell people if they want to know how can I maybe write my story, if they know, let's say, and I'm just going to pick a random example, but let's just say they are, let me think of one, let's say an airline pilot. Let's say they were an airline pilot, they decided to retire. And now they wonder, is there a story I have that I can share with being, you know, with being an airline pilot that somebody would want to learn from? Well, when I tell people about how to craft their story, 
I give them this little exercise that I actually learned in the stand-up comedy trenches. Uh, they call it the spider method, and we used to use it in our stand-up clinics. And I just decided to take it over into the speaking world and use it to create stories. But essentially what you do is you put a circle, let's say if you use pen and paper, put a circle on a piece of paper, and let's say you write Alan in the center. Let's say it's, it's yourself that you're working with, and let's say you're an airline pilot. So you write Alan in the center, or you can write uh, airlines in the center. Uh, but let's say your goal is to, you want to say, what is my story about being an airline pilot that would relate to this conference that I'm going to or that I'm getting invited to or that I want to approach, let's say about travel, a travel conference. So what I would write is, I, or I would draw that circle, and let's say in the middle I put um, airlines or travel or whatever that might be. Then what I recommend people do is then they start drawing the legs of a spider. Now, it depends how you want to structure your talk. I like threes, so you could just draw three legs if you want it, because that's not really the, the idea is just to draw eight legs for the purpose of drawing eight, but draw three legs, let's say, from that airline or travel circle that you've created. Then what you can do is you'll draw the first line, let's say, and let's say you worked for Virgin Airlines. So then you might uh, draw a circle that's coming off that first leg. I'm trying to do this visually just to demonstrate it. <laughs> Doing, a good job. Doing a good job. Doing a good job. Okay, perfect. So draw the circle that's coming off that first leg. Uh, so now you have a circle coming out of the leg. So basically I'm trying to uh, visualize this. You have a circle, then you have a little line that becomes the leg, and then at the end of that you have another circle. In that circle you'll maybe draw Virgin Airlines, let's say, as an example. And then let's say uh, you uh, met Richard Branson and you have a funny story about that. So then maybe you do another leg off of that leg you just built, and in that circle you have Richard Branson. So now that tells you, okay, that's one story I can use from working for Virgin Airlines. And then let's say the second one is you took a trip to Miami recently. So, you know, you, you know there's a story there. Let's say your car got towed, you know, and, you, and you, you missed the flight that you were the pilot for. So all of a sudden you draw the line out, your second leg, and you draw the circle that says Miami, and then you draw that next circle. You know, again, you're adding an extra leg. Uh, you draw that extra leg, another circle, and now you have car towed. And, and you know, without me going uh, further, I can if you want, but you probably see where this is going. You draw, in this case, let's yep. say three legs if you want a three points. And then... Now you have a story about Richard Branson, you have a story about your car being towed, and you have a story about whatever else. And let's say the travel conference is on, I'm just using this as an example, but your talk you want to do is, is on the challenges of being an airline pilot. And now what you have is you have three points or three stories, whether humorous or whether a story that makes you think, you have three points that you can talk to and three stories you've built uh, around that concept. So, like I said, if your overall theme is that you want to talk about the challenge, all the, the let's say the variables or challenges you'll run into as an airline pilot, and in your in your uh, slides, what you're going to do now is you're going to say put your first point is going to be that story about Richard Branson, and then at the end of that story, you're going to have a point that relates back to your overall theme of the challenges you face. Then you're going to do the same with your car being towed, et cetera, et cetera. So by doing this exercise, what I think you're going to find is the person that felt they didn't have a story to tell all of a sudden because they built it around a theme and they use these bubbles to allow themselves to come up with ideas and be a creative thinker, they're going to realize they have a much bigger story than they ever thought before. We're done. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is some serious, serious yeah. insight. And again, you know, for our audience, that's why you bring a journal to this because of these types of visual, visual exercises. Thank you, uh, Corey. You did an awesome job, by the way, of, you know, outlining that. Uh, easy to follow. I actually drew my spider, 
and you know as you were going along here just to get a sense of uh, of what our audience would be uh, would be doing as well and and specifically uh, writing down some of the things that that can build my story so thank you for that that was uh, that was awesome well thank you so much and I'll give a little uh, I mean we'll we'll talk about this later of course but the uh, the program that I'm working on uh, one of the free video trainings I actually outlined this little uh, I guess a little exclusive that I'm revealing to you guys before the video is even released uh, but I was in um, Miami, and we were at Miami Beach, and I actually drew this out with sand and a stick. This whole thing. <laughs> Just a little That's awesome. video. Yeah, well, wherever you are, right? Absolutely. Work with what you have. Yes. That's right. I, That's I do right. a lot of napkin, <laughs> nap, napkin ideas uh, is, 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 my, uh, is my favorite thing. Hey, listen, uh, you know, there's obviously um, a good number of speakers out there and, you know, there's probably a separation of what you'd call a world-class speaker, um, you know, versus, you know, maybe someone getting started. And again, not to confuse the fact that you can never compare yourself to where someone is, you know, in the middle of their career or near the end of their career because they went through that, um, especially for those people are, you know, again, just starting out. So never do that because... You know, for one, it'll discourage you somewhat, but, um, you know, you should look at them from a perspective, though, uh, to emulate if you, you know, really uh, think they're doing a great job out there and it's something that you want to, you know, mimic. Uh, however, my question is, can you tell us, like, three common traits of what you would call a world-class speaker? Yeah, I, I absolutely can. And, and I would say for, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll start it like this. Um, the biggest one, I would say, and, and I kind of, I'm going to say, alluded to this earlier when I said that I had that horrible first uh, speech where I didn't remember what I said, but people came <laughs> yeah. up and said, you know, it's the whole thing, people won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And so I made those people, because of my passion level, buy into the emotion of my talk. And so the first trait, I would say, of a world-class speaker is you better, and I shouldn't say better in the sense that it means up to you if you do, uh, but I believe that if you want to knock it out of the park, you better be passionate about what you're talking about. Right. So those world-class speakers, in my experience, are passionate about the message they're sharing and the topic. So if you want proof of that, watch somebody like a Steve Jobs, who's talking about, especially when, you know, early on, talking about what could have been considered maybe the unsexiest topic ever, and, and yet you could see the passion basically oozing out his pores. Right. So passion, first one, bar none, I think you ha if you have passion for what you're talking about, nine times out of ten, you'll reach an audience over a speaker that has unbelievably world-class content but has no passion for it. So passion, first and foremost. Uh, second trait, I would say, create an experience during your talk. If you can create an experience during your talk, You'll win over an audience more than somebody, once again, that's up there doing, you know, bullet points with no passion and no sort of, uh, I'm going to say, feeling or emotion behind it. So, you know, what does an experience look like? It could be as simple as actually opening up to audience questions, if, you know, saving 10 minutes on your talk to open up to audience questions if the format allow that. Or it could mean doing, I do a trivia uh, in the rooms where I have time and, I, and, you know, the room's small enough to do it. I'll do a trivia at the end, covering, you know, let's say I covered what we just talked about with the spider method, I'll actually say hands up, who can tell, who can describe that spider method to me? And if a person can do it, you know, obviously at least to a level where everybody knows they're on the right track, then they'll win a free book of mine. Um, it's not about getting the book from me, it's about the experience of now you're involved in the process. Uh, even just uh, customizing your talk to the audience 
is creating an experience for them because they feel like this person's actually living what I'm living. So creating an experience would be the second one. And the third one, and this was something I, I'm going to say I did wrong early on, and I've seen the difference when I finally made the change. It's getting rid of those bullet points as quick as you can. So, you know, is it okay to have bullet points on a slide? Absolutely. Is it, in my opinion, world-class to have bullet points in every slide? No. Based, and this is based on experience. So I think you, if you're going to run with slides, which, you know, I still use slides. Uh, sometimes I, I, I actually did a talk recently. I wrote an article about this in the dark for the first time in history. That was a first after 15 years. Well, obviously, you know, your slides, it gets a little harder to share them on the screen when you have no power. But <laughs> what I'm going to say is if you're using slides, my recommendation, make them visual heavy. Have a picture of somebody whose story you're sharing. You know, if you're sharing a story with somebody who you have permission to share it, use a picture. Uh, if, like, if I use the example of Steve Jobs, he might put a picture of the world's in his laptop on the screen when he's talking about the world's in his laptop, but he doesn't put five bullet points about the world's in his laptop. You know, he might put one, he might say, uh, it's this thin, and he'll put the measurements and then a picture of the laptop. So the, the world-class speakers I've seen over the years and studied, what they do well is they make the presentation about themselves and not the PowerPoint. Uh, some of them don't even use a PowerPoint. Some do. I mean, Seth Godin uses, I don't know, 500 slides sometimes in a talk. But his slides are become the presentation. They're not a crutch to take away from him. Right. So that, right. those would be the three that I would hone in on right away. Awesome. I'm just writing, guys. That's why I'm quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're keeping up with uh, trying to with, keep up with that uh, information. And again, you know, um, just to reiterate, these are the types of things that come out of the show. In order for those that are, you know, thinking about or looking at this industry, and why not ask someone who has done as much as Corey uh, to give us those little nuggets, you know, of really good information? Because uh, certainly, um, you know, Alan, you're writing down right now. I'm sure this is uh, really opening uh, or providing some epiphanies. Uh, you know, for, for some of the things, um, especially the things we're going to be working on and, and, and coming up with uh, for sure. Um, Alan, take us away. You done writing? You done writing now? I, yeah, well, I'm, I'm done writing for the moment. Uh, my finger's got a cramp in it, so I've got to hold my, my hand down to the side of my waist here. Um, and probably a little more information than anybody wanted to hear. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you talk about, Corey, you talk about passion. And, you know, passion is key because it's kind of like the difference between lying and telling the truth. When you lie, you got to remember everything you said. But when you're telling the truth, it just comes out. And I think the same with passion. The passion, people are going to believe it. They're going to understand it. They're going to see it. Whether or not it is going to change their life um, is irrelevant because what they get out of it, what you said, is the, the passion, the real commitment that you have to telling that topic or telling that story in hopes that it is going to help someone else. So I guess that's a, a you know, leading, leading from this and try to find a question. And I know we've kind of talked about it before, but what some people go, well, I don't have a passion. What should I talk about? What do you tell them? So, I mean, this is, that's, it's a kind of a, I'm going to say almost a double-edged question only because the answer is, is a little tougher in this extent of there's two, I mean, there's two part answers. Like one is, I, I guess the biggest way to answer that, if I'm, if I'm thinking about what would be the most valuable for the listeners, it's first of all, if you don't have that passion, you don't know what it is. Everybody, first of all, in my experience, I've interviewing obviously a lot of leaders who have passion, has a passion inside of them. 
So first and foremost, I don't necessarily think it's that you can use the word find your passion, but I think what you're really doing is uncovering or discovering it. I think it's inside right. anyway. So if somebody's coming to me and saying, Corey, I want to, I want to do a talk on something I'm passionate about because I want to knock it out of the park. This is where it gets to be a challenging answer is my first step as I have to take them through is how do you find your passion or uncover it in the first place? So that, you know, that's a, a big, big question and answer. However, I'll do a, if you want, I'll give you a three to five minute reader's digest version of that. I can give you the process I take them through. I can even make it shorter than that. I can do two minutes if you want, because that's, you know, really to find their a passionate topic, they actually have to find something they're passionate about. Sure, go so, for it. So I guess the, the easiest way, I'm going to give this as a Reader's Digest version of something I, I get pulled in sometimes to universities to basically deliver this over two days. So, and I'm going to deliver it over two minutes. So Nice. <laughs> keep up, is what I'll tell you. Try to keep up. The uh, test is on. <laughs> and I'll, I'll go pen and paper again because it's a lot easier than any other way to describe this. But essentially what I would say to the person listening who's, who's in that situation, they're obviously, they probably haven't uncovered their own passion if they don't know what topic to talk about that they're passionate about. So I would say sit down, pen and paper, and ask yourself, and make this list. So ask yourself, first question is, what, what is the thing that I would continue to do if money wasn't an issue? So let's say you won the lottery, uh, you retired from work, and, and you had a great pension, whatever that is. Money's not an issue. What would you continue to do? And you can't use the scapegoat answer of I go to a beach and never work again. Because let's face it, people say that all the time. But at the same time, we see so many people that retire, save their plans until they retired, and then pass away a week later or two weeks later. And why is that? In most cases, my belief is because they lost a sense of purpose. So you're gonna, you, know, you might go to that beach for a month if you won the lottery, but there's going to be a point where you're going to say, I'm bored now. So now I have to find a bigger passion or purpose. So first of all, ask yourself, what is the thing I think I would continue to do or start to do if money wasn't an issue? Because a lot of times money, not having the money, makes people think, well, I can't do it because I don't have the time or the resources or what have you. So that's the first thing I would say. Second thing I would say is what is the thing you did when you were a kid when money wasn't an issue? So what is the thing you already did as a kid that got you super excited? You know, to quote the door song that, that, you, know, that you found lighted your fire. Um, so what is that thing that got that little fire in your belly? that was there and, and time stood still or you're with your friends and you just were so excited when you're doing it. Uh, I would also say, what is the thing that you think you would be good at? You know, what's something that gets you excited when you think about it? Maybe it's playing guitar, picking up a camera and taking pictures, whatever that is. And then I would finally say, um, what, you know, what is the thing I guess that you would, you would do if, if, or sorry, I'll correct that. What is the thing that you stopped doing because somebody pushed you off your path? So let's say you wanted to go to clown college, picking a random example, and, and your parents said, no, you need to go to Stanford University. So when they push you off their path, there was a reason you wanted to go to clown college. So you need to go back to that intersection and say, what was it in that? You know, was the clown college, was that what I was excited about? Or was there something like entertaining or something bigger? So now what you've done is I, those questions you've asked, you've given yourself answers. So you put down, as I mentioned, it could be clown college. It could be stand-up comedy. I mentioned it could be playing guitar. It could be, hey, it could be jumping out of a plane. Maybe your passion is the tandem jump and help other people jump out of planes, and you just haven't uncovered that yet. Whatever it is, you've made that list, let's say, of 12 or 15 or whatever the number is, things. And now what I want you to do is go through that list and put them in order of which one gets you the most excited as soon as you look at that list. Put that at the top, because why would you want to, you know, sift your way through 15 to find out the last one is the one you were the most about right from the jump? So go through that list. You have it in order now. And now what I want you to do is, let's say the top of the list was photography. Well, what I want you to do is, 
uh, decide, is that inside or outside my comfort zone? Well, photography is inside your comfort zone, then obviously the easy step is get a camera if you don't already have one and start taking pictures. Um, but maybe you put on their stand-up comedy like I mentioned. Well, that might be way outside your comfort zone. So now it's not going to be just as easy as going to pick up a camera. You might have to make a list of what are the steps I would have to do to expand my comfort zone enough to get on that stage. And it might be go to Toastmasters, like I mentioned. It might be go to the comedy club and talk to the comics. It might be starting watching comedy takes, whatever that is. Make that list and then take action. So the moral of the story here is what you need to do is you need to have a list that you can act on and start taking action. And what my experience is, if you do that work and you figure out what is the thing I'm most likely passionate about and you sift through that list, it may take you a year to go through it. It may take you a week. But what my experience is, is you will find your passion or uncover your passion versus those people that actually spend their whole lives never finding their passion. So now, once you found that passion, let's say it's photography, playing guitar, whatever it is, well, now, Alan, to answer the question, now you know what you can talk about during that first talk. Awesome. That fantastic. Was, that was that is fantastic. a fantastic and dense, great way to figure out just where you're at and cut through the fluff. I love that. Thanks so much for sharing that. And I, I got to say, I, I especially like um, j just the, the short, you don't have to think about what you're going to say. <laughs> Let's talk about passion here. You definitely have a passion for speaking, and uh, this just rolled out of you as fast as it possibly could, and I can't imagine what a day with you would be if I'm getting as much as I'm getting out of, you know, a five-minute, you know, dissertation here. I can't imagine the value that would come from, you know, a day of you really being able to break that down and for me to be able to absorb it, practice it, emit it and then go learn from it and create and attract from it. So thank you so much for being as clear as you were and as transparent as you've been. Very much so. Appreciate it. Well, and you know, I have to say, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Alan, from the perspective that I was, I was doing an interview about four months ago, and, and the guy after the, after the interview, so off the air, said, I almost want to stop you. I'm like, why is he giving this much stuff away for free? You should be charging for this. <laughs> and, you know, I have, to, I have to give credit where credit's due. And, and I'll say, because, you know, as you know, with all the thought leaders uh, you know, or influential leaders in the world, there's some that people like, some that people don't like. And I never try to pass judgment because I think we all have our own, you know, people that emotionally we connect with. But for me, um, Brendan Burchard, one of the things, I don't know if you guys are both familiar with him, but one of the things I like about Brendan, which is similar, by the way, to Jeff Walker, who I mentioned earlier on, um, what I like about those guys is they give you the real deal goods from the jump. So they don't go, come to my webinar and I'm going to uh, teach you all about the five steps for breaking into the speaking industry. And then you get there and you recognize you've been on an hour long webinar and you walked away recently, or uh, all you've been really walked away with was, here's how you sign up for my deeper program. Yeah. And that was important to me, you know, even with the speaking program I'm getting ready to launch is that when people watch the free training, they're going, I don't even understand why he's offering us this much for free. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't compute. Because when Brendan did that, when I watched him do that, when Jeff did that, that's what happened to me. I went, wow, how can these guys give so much away for free? Is it possible they can even offer me more in the, in the, real, you know, the full program? And then so what I did was I, I tested it out. And I mean, I spent, I think, $2,500 on uh, Jeff Walker's product launch formula and probably, I think it was $2,000 or $2,500 on uh, Brendan's Expert Academy to find that out. And the good news is in both of those guys' cases, they piled it on again, even more so. So, you That's know, just right. to mention that, Alan, because it's important to me that I'm that guy versus the guy that invites somebody to a webinar only to try to talk them into going to the next one. 
Right. No, and and, and uh, I got to jump in here, Chris. And, and okay. I think we're probably both thinking the same thing. You know, Chris and I talk about mentor reciprocity a lot, and you just mentioned a, a gentleman that uh, you know, Brendan Bouchard, and I felt the same way. I started following Brendan, uh, you know, years and years ago, and I could not believe the amount of quality product and tools that he gave away for free without expectation before he even had my name on a list, and that absolutely blew me away. Long story short, Chris and I met at Experts Academy. <laughs> and um, from that, we've developed at a distance, at a distance, I'm in Oregon, he's in Florida, a business for the last two years. And I think because of, you know, the the passion that we saw in Brendan and his ability to be transparent and give that away uh, without expectation that's, that something would come, you know, in, in reciprocity. I just want to say a, a shout out to Brendan. And Brendan, I hope you're listening you have three people here that uh, have, have built a business and, and creating a lifestyle and then transferring that and giving that back to a much larger demographic and community because you decided to get on stage one day. So thank you, Brendan, and thank you, Corey, for that for that story. Yeah, and I just want to jump in at this point uh, as well on that, you know, uh, very uh, intriguing uh, piece of information that you said is that, you know, why do people give a deep dish when they can give the appetizer where most people give the appetizer and then want you to buy the deep dish? And I think it really comes down to, and I experienced the same thing, you know, obviously we just talked about, um, you know, buying a, a Brendan Burchard, for example, his program or someone like that that offers up a ton of value up front is because, first of all, you learned a ton from them in that amount of time that you spent, whatever it is, you know, an amount of videos or amount of time, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, uh, you know, three segments, um, let's call it an hour and a half of information. Well, if you got that much out of that, you can only imagine how much you'll get if you go 20 hours with this person. Because, you know, again, we all know that you can't cram everything in, but if you really give them a you know, good stuff. It's like going and having a really good pizza. You're going to go back and have pizza again at that establishment. And, and I tr truly believe you have to treat your business like that, especially in the digital uh, age where you're offering up uh, things. And, and speaking of that, and, and man, time flies, Corey, on these shows. I can tell you that. Um, but we have t some time, you know, obviously we get into our rapid, bold insight, but I, I just have to ask you this question because you, you did bring it up and it's important and I know you have something coming up. Um, why did you decide to launch a program at this you know, stage uh, to help people get into the speaking industry or grow their you know, speaking business, for example? Well, and you know, I have to say, uh, I'm going to get to that, as you know, as you probably noticed, I kind of, sometimes I like to preface an answer, um, just sure. to, to add on to it. But, you know, what you mentioned, I get asked, so I'm going to explain to why I created this program, why, why I had this desire. But what's interesting to me is I had people say to me, because I had some people watch the first videos and, and just clips of it and that, and, and they said, again, going back to what we said, is how could you dive even deeper than this in a program? And, you know, I'll give the example I mentioned uh, when you guys asked me the what are the top three traits, I would say, of world-class speakers. Well, I said create an experience. Well, right. what's really cool is I took, um, I studied the world-class service providers. So your Apples, your Starbucks, what have you. I discovered five steps that they use to create a customer experience. Well, what I did is I was able to take that and customize it to my, my talks, my speeches, and bring it in. So I actually practiced those five steps during every talk. Well, there's no way even in this, you know, this whole interview that if I, we covered the, the, my experience that I create, those five steps, I couldn't even cover those five steps fully in an hour. 
So when people say, what more could you deliver? Well, just that one thing. How do you create an experience during your talks? That's just an example of how you can dive deeper. Or, and this is the part that really excites me, we actually have uh, 12 experts, well, I think it's about 14, but let's say 12 to be safe, uh, experts that we've already, and the, the interviews, by the way, are done, that we've already got on board who are actually on the back end when people are in the program that are sharing an hour's worth of insight each. Now, I will say we'll probably trim that down to, say, 20 minutes, a half hour per expert, but it's uh, like Tom Ziegler, so from the Ziegler brand. Uh, right. They have a Ziegler legacy program where they actually train speakers um, throughout the year, and they've had so many guest speakers come in, like a Seth Godin, a Dave Ramsey. Well, we have Tom sharing what are the best insights that he's learned. Then we have Dale Carnegie and Associates, uh, somebody representing them. We have Judy Carter from the Comedy Bible, James Redfield, who wrote Celestine Prophecy. So what I'm getting at is how can you dive deeper? Well, we brought it, we're bringing these guests on. So what's really cool, and I think this is maybe a message for people that are thinking of creating programs or a launch like yourself that you mentioned with your book, is what's really, why it's important, in my opinion, to give the, you know, all the goods in the, uh, in the introduction, like you mentioned with Brendan doing that without even getting your name on the list, is because it forces you to rise to another level to deliver even more insight and quality, uh, quality wisdom in whatever you're offering. So I actually think it's up to you then to rise, you know, bring your game up to deliver even more. So anyway, just, that's just a little maybe rant off on the side. But just wanted to share in terms of, do I believe you can deliver more? Absolutely. In terms of why did I want to put it together in the first place? Well, the most common question I've been getting from people for probably the last, I'm going to say last eight years of the 15 I've been in the industry, is how can I make money as a speaker? How can I share my message from the stage? How can I conquer the fear as a speaker, et cetera, et cetera? All different variations of that question. And so I wanted to be able to find a way to answer that question and at the very same time, be able to have a direct and major impact on the quality of the speakers that would be in the market in two years' time, in five years' time, in ten years' time. So that's, in a nutshell, that's the reason. Super. So like I said, so fast. <laughs> my, my, uh, I, like I said, my rant about uh, why I believe that it's important to deliver quality uh, and to raise your game over and over again whenever you're delivering any kind of product, it, it lasted longer than my explanation of how I get into it. <laughs> I think that I think that's key though. These shows go so quickly that it's time for a rapid bold insight. Let me ask you a question. Are you ready for that? I am as ready as I'll ever be in my entire life. Right. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Does does it feel like those days when you got on the stage and you had no idea you were going to be on the stage when you got in that comic club? <laughs> uh yeah, it kind of does. That <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, after that one show, they at least gave us a run list and we knew when we were going to be on most times. But yeah, usually you knew. There you go. Well, let's get started. And, you know, this is designed so that you know, people can just get a sort of sense of, um, you know, the things that uh, you do or what you recommend from reading and so forth. So let's get right into it. What book do you recommend? one that you have been reading now or lately or something that's really, uh, you know, changed your uh, trajectory in life? Well, I have to say the first book I ever read at 27 years of age was Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. So I guess that was the game changer because I now read about three to five books on average a month. Wow, good for you. That's fantastic. And what a great book. Uh, and I agree. Um, it, it, it pulled you in and kept you there, which is, uh, which is fantastic. What do you do for fun? 
I'll, I'm going to just say a lot of things, so I'll just say I'll just pick one because <laughs> I could <laughs> for a long time on that one. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to pick the one of let's say concerts. I, I'm a concert guy. I've been to. I mean, I don't know the number now. I used to keep track, but it's it's well over 150. Wow. And I, I mean, I, I just I had a list of bands that were on the you know on on this big list, and I had two left, which kind of doesn't really tell a lot about my musical taste. Let's per, say per se, because it's everything from Pink Floyd to Metallica to Madonna. And so my last two on the list were Garth Brooks and Madonna. And I got to see Garth Brooks in uh, Alabama last year. And Madonna, we had tickets. Uh, long story as to what happened, but basically we just got to go get tickets again and make it happen. We just, we had to change our travel plans to go to a different place and, and it didn't happen. So I got one left on the list. <laughs> Do you keep your ticket stubs? Uh, I did. And I probably still had most of them, but I, when I first started, I actually kept them in a nice little folder and then I got, I got tired of that. So what one piece of technology has helped your business the most, Corey? This, this one's a tough one, so I'm just going to give an easy answer because uh, I use a lot of different technology right now, and I just switched my answer I was going to give. So uh, I'll tell you, I, this gives two, I guess. I switched from, I was going to say Stitcher Radio because I, I discovered a lot of amazing podcasters and people now that I have relationships with through Stitcher. I discovered John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire through Stitcher. Uh, but if I go you know, fast forward to today, I would maybe would lean more towards lead pages. That's probably the technology today. Thank you. What quote has the most impact on you? It has to be a Zig Ziglar quote. Uh, so I'll just pick my, I have two that are probably my favorites. So I'll just pick uh, one of the two is essentially you don't have to be great to get started, but you sure have to start to be great. Love it. What is your next bold move, Corey? Well, I guess I, you know, we've been kind of alluding to it. So I guess I have to say this speaking program that, uh, that I've been building toward a launch of uh, it's, I mean, if I can say, as far as dates-wise, um, the the launch, let's say, of the, the free training, the video training, is August 6th. I'm doing a talk in Boston at an Elite Man conference, and so we decided to launch that day. And then uh, the program itself, the doors are going to open, I believe, on August 17th or 18th. And so people can find out more at thespeakingprogram.com. But it's really what we've been talking about this whole time when we've been talking about speaking. It's It's my way to hopefully give back and help create uh, quality future speakers, but also helps people that want to get into the industry or even people that are in the industry now and not getting paid high fees, help them shave maybe four or five or six years off of their learning curve and maybe kind of condense that into two or three months. I love it. That was awesome information. Alan, let's uh, let's get into the one bold move. Yeah, we have to wrap up, Corey. I hate to say that. You've been a blast being on uh, being on this cast with you. But uh, like Chris talks about, you know, we like to end the show with uh, our guests leaving the audience with one bold move, maybe something that uh, you've already talked about, maybe it's something that you've held to last, but what one bold move could you leave the audience with today that they could actually institute uh, today as soon as they get off this podcast? Well, I would, I'll, I'll open it up like this. I would say we need to start making single tasking the new sexy. So the bold move would be to start getting away from multitasking and getting back into what really we were designed to do, in my opinion, uh, which is to go all in at whatever we're doing at the time. There's a great Chinese proverb that says, when you wash the rice, wash the rice. So, you know, whenever you are with somebody, be with that person. When you want to be with your phone, be with your phone. 
Uh, when you want to be with your iPad, be with your iPad, but don't be with all of them at the same time. So gotcha. I think the whole move is to basically start going all in rather than trying to do everything at once. I love that. Go yeah. all in. Go all in. Be 100% present with whatever you're doing at that time. Absolutely. I love it. Hey, Corey, it's been um, fantastic having you on the show. Appreciate your candor, uh, your in-depth uh, transparency at what makes you tick and the kind of value that you bring to this audience and, and I know to your audience. And, and, you know, we're very grateful that you, uh, you know, bestowed some of that wisdom on all the ears, uh, not only on Chris and I, but in the audience as well. So thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, Chris, as usual, I love you, buddy. It's great doing the show with you. We're having a, uh, you know, a blast. And I know we're um, you know, doing our best to bring some great value to our listeners. And I just want to say thanks for uh, the last uh, you know, year and a half of our uh, business ventures together. And as we're gearing towards you know, show 100 here on the Think Bold, Be Bold podcast. Right back at you, uh, Alan, and I uh, appreciate, uh, you know, that and uh, obviously uh, having a ton of fun. And, yeah, it's always great to have guests like Corey. Thank you so much, Corey. You gave a ton of insight, a ton of great tools. Can't wait for your program. And you heard them, thespeakingprogram.com. Check it out. Uh, Corey, yeah. will you come back sometime this year? I will absolutely come back. I'll say it this way. Try to stop me. <laughs> I love it. I know, but absolutely. I'm, I'm, you know, you, you let me know and, and we'll make it happen. Sounds great. And audience, uh, thank you. Uh, you, uh, you make our show what it is. You've brought us to where we are. We always appreciate it. Come to info at thinkbowlbebold.com. Uh, give us, uh, you know, what you want us to do next, and Alan and I will find it and bring you whoever you want. Um, thank you again, uh, Corey. You guys have a great day, Alan. Enjoy Portland, Oregon, and I will. Uh, I'm going to go to the beach. <laughs> Just had to. I had to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, listen, it wouldn't be a show, folks, without me saying, do something nice for someone today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.